Yes, people, welcome back to Process, a podcast with myself, Brendan Pearson. So we are back with another solo episode today. Just thought I'd get the mic on and again, try and talk about something that I feel a lot of people underestimate in terms of recovery, in terms of training, and it's something, especially these days, which is kind of looked down on with the likes of obviously Gary Vee and all the kind of hustlers and bustlers out there, neglecting it massively. So I'll probably name this name this podcast, excuse me, excuse the quote your voices, it's the Sunday morning, just woken up. So uh, one of the most important supplements, I put supplements in little quotations, for fat loss and muscle gain, which is obviously sleep. I know it's not a supplement, but just trying to catch your attention for this podcast. Anyway, so I want to run through a few things about sleep and why it's so important, first of all, because again, a lot of people neglect it, a lot of people think, oh, I can go to work and, and train or five, four hours sleep and I'm absolutely fine. That isn't the case. You might feel like you're fine, but long term, it's it's not going to be sustainable and it's not going to be healthy. So sleep's massively important for our body functions, for everything to be running smoothly. If we end up not getting enough sleep, we're going to be in what we call a fight or flight state. So our body's in a sympathetic state where we're constantly trying to, uh, well, increasing our cortisol levels, which is our stress levels. We're, we're in a, a state of, we're not going to be recovering properly, pretty much. So you can understand why it's extra, extra important for, for athletes, for anybody who's training in the gym, or looking to, to lose a little bit of, of weight because we want our body in the in the parasympathetic state, which is a state of recovery, rest and digest as they call it. So the state that we want to be in to optimally, um, obviously lose fat and build muscle. Anyway, going down a rabbit hole as I normally do. So getting into to sleep, the main thing that we want to focus on is trying to get anywhere between seven to nine hours of quality sleep. Now, seven to nine hours does not mean seven to nine hours just in bed. Obviously, it takes time for you to actually get to sleep when you're in bed. It might take you half an hour. Depending on who you are, it might take you an hour. For me, it takes a little bit longer. For some, they can just fall asleep like like that, which, which is very annoying for me. But anyway, so yeah, seven to nine hours. The main reason you want to get this amount of time in is because you want to get um, a number of full, complete sleep cycles in. So, the main part of sleep, which is where most of the recovery is done, is in REM sleep, which stands for rapid eye movement sleep. Pretty much the state where you'll be having your dreams. So you want to be in that state and try and get, I think, between three and four cycles or sleep cycles um, of REM sleep while you're, while you're sleeping. Obviously, if you have a short night sleep, you might only be able to get one or two, which means that you're going to be limiting your recovery and limiting, obviously, the benefits that, that sleep have. So I want to run through... 10 little tips for, for you all how to improve your sleep because I think a lot of people really don't understand um, the effects of things like TVs at night time, caffeine um, and obviously not getting a good night's sleep. So number one, get into a good nightly routine. So what I mean by nightly routine is something that's going to set you up perfectly to, to go to sleep also at a consistent time each night. So you don't want to be changing your sleep patterns. So one night you're in bed at eight o'clock, one night you're in bed at 11 o'clock. Your body just needs to adapt and your body will adapt over time and naturally become tired at a certain time. So if you're going to bed and waking up at the same time each day consecutively, 
you'll probably get to a point where you actually don't need an alarm clock, which you'll be quite surprised with. During lockdown, I was lucky enough to get into a routine, obviously, not having to get up at different times for work and whatever, which I think a lot of people in life do have to do, uh, which makes it so hard to get into a consistent routine. But I was consistently going to bed at about 10 o'clock and then I was naturally just waking up at around 6, 6, 6.30, probably like a half an hour gap between there. So my body was just naturally getting into that routine and you'll probably find the same thing. So if you can get used to that, going to bed at a certain time each night, even if it's half an hour either side of the time, just try and be as consistent as possible and you will get into that routine. So some little things that you can do to help you wind down before you go to bed, make you feel a little bit tired and get a better night's sleep. So things like meditation, things like reading the book sometimes help people. Um, having a hot shower or a hot drink or a hot bath uh, is meant to help in, in, in getting you into that sleepy sort of state. I think the increase in body temperature and then stepping out the shower and going into a colder room also is meant to just meant, meant to make you tired anyway. So definitely try that. Have a hot shower maybe an hour, half an hour before you're meant to go to bed and then you'll probably feel a little bit tired, a little bit more chilled out. Stupid things that I've heard things like wearing socks because your hands, your feet and your head are big receptors of heat and also again going back to back in the day when we were, we were, we were in the stone ages and we were out and about, we would have to find shelter and have to try and make a fire and if, if we were cold and we couldn't find shelter, our body would go into again a fight or flight state and try and keep us awake so we could find the state. So if you think about it, if, our, if we're cold, if our hands and our feet and our head are all cold, we're going to be in that fight or flight state, that state of weightiness and our body's going to be thinking, all right, maybe we're not safe here. Maybe we need to find somewhere somewhere warm to um, get to sleep pretty much. So if you can wear some socks uh, before you go to sleep, apparently that's going to help. I've heard that in a number of podcasts and on, if you haven't read already, Matthew Walker's Why We Sleep. That's another great book to read in terms of finding out more about sleep. So going down a rabbit hole again. Anyway, Point number two, avoid caffeine at least nine hours before you go to bed. Around seven to nine hours is normally about right. So this is one of the big, big, big things that a lot of people don't actually realize. So before we start talking about caffeine itself, we'll talk about adenosine. So what is adenosine? Adenosine is pretty much a hormone that's in your body that is released in the day and makes you a little bit tired. Obviously you've got melatonin as well, which is also released and makes you more tired throughout the day, especially when it starts to get dark. That's the thing that triggers you to go to sleep. But you've also got adenosine, um, adenosine receptors as well. So what caffeine does, when you ingest caffeine through coffee, through Red Bull, Monsters, pre-workouts, whatever it is, caffeine actually blocks the adenosine receptors, the thing that makes you tired and pretty much takes its place in a sense. So it gives you that alertness and stops you from feeling tired for a short period of time. So caffeine has a half-life. So pretty much when you have when you ingest it, say you have 100 milligrams of caffeine, which is like a cup of coffee, pretty much equivalent. Um, it has a half-life of anywhere from three to nine hours, depending on the person. We'll say seven hours just as a rough, a rough kind of guess. So in seven hours time, half of that caffeine will be out your system. So 50 milligrams will be gone, but you're still gonna have 50 milligrams in your system. 
Now you can think about this as if you're having a pre-workout drink, which some of them have like 400 milligrams of caffeine in, for example. So if you're having a pre-workout drink, it's say two o'clock, at nine o'clock at night, you're gonna still have 200 milligrams of caffeine in your system. So now you can see how this is gonna affect you from getting to sleep at nine, 10 o'clock at night, because you've, you've still got the equivalent of like a cup of coffee in your system without you realizing it. So this is why it's important to have your caffeine earlier in the day if you are gonna have it. Ideally, the cutoff point should be between anywhere, well, ideally as early as possible, but I like to say again, seven to nine hours before you go to sleep. So for myself, I normally cut, try and cut it off at about one o'clock, something like that, just to try and help um, help with my sleep and limit it affecting my sleep and help me get that deep sleep. So if you can see how this could kind of carry on if you were consistently um, having coffee and having caffeine in really high dosage for a consistent period of time over weeks and months, you can see how that's gonna end up having a really, really knock-on effect, negative knock-on effect in your sleep. So I was listening to a podcast the other day as well and the guy on it was talking again about caffeine and talking about sleep and caffeine doesn't really have, you don't really get used to caffeine. What you get used to is you're used to feeling tired and the more caffeine you have, the, the more it's gonna inhibit your sleep, inhibit that deep sleep and the more tired you're actually gonna be over time. So the caffeine doesn't have much, it doesn't feel as if it's, it's having much of an effect on your body because you are more tired. So over weeks and months, this is just gonna build up. You're gonna get more tired. Your cortisol is gonna to continue to increase as well. So you're gonna be even more stressed and especially if you've already got a stressful job and then you're doing front training and on top of that, that's another stressor. That's another thing that's gonna increase your cortisol. You're not gonna be in an optimal place for fat loss and muscle gain. And then things like alcohol and stuff can also play a part in that. So you can see how people with stressful lives, stressful jobs who were drinking a lot of coffee, a lot of caffeine, a lot of cups of tea, they're probably gonna struggle with building muscle or losing a little bit of fat. And I've had this issue with a few of my clients who they're doing everything right in terms of nutrition. They're on really low calories, which again is another stressor. Being on low calories can increase your cortisol levels and your stress levels again. So you can see how they can have a massive issue with losing that body fat just because they're in a kind of spiral of stress and and they're not gonna be able to lose that unless they control one of their stresses or maybe control a number of their stresses. Obviously work life is hard, very, very hard to control, but things like caffeine consumption and alcohol and also sleep obviously are things that you need to control massively. So a few things that you can do in terms of caffeine, which one thing personally that I try and do the best I can is cycle on and off caffeine. So you have your on days, your off days, and then even taking caffeine breaks. So good times to take a little caffeine break, which is just completely going cold turkey, off caffeine, just to help you almost reset your body. And when it comes back to you having having caffeine after say a five to seven day period, it's gonna hit you a lot more and you're gonna feel the effects. Whereas beforehand, maybe a, a cup of tea or a coffee didn't really hit you as much. You're gonna feel the effects of it a lot more and then you can kind of start your, your as your pre-workout ritual, you might have a cup of coffee to start with, that's gonna hit you. And then the next week down the line, you might have to up it and have like a double espresso or something a little bit stronger. Going into the third week of training, you could then start looking at the pre-workout or like a white monster, for example. Then this increased the strength over and over time. And then when you get to maybe your seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth weeks, uh, when you're about to deload, 
that's when you're going to be on the highest amount of caffeine. Then you deload and take a full week off it and just reset everything again. That's a good way to do it. Um, almost as your training gets harder, as you go through the blocks of training, your caffeine should really increase because you're going to be a little bit more tired and it's not going to be affecting you as much. And then you take the week off. If you are someone who does have a lot of caffeine, drink a lot of coffee, you might want to come off caffeine slowly. So maybe do almost like a withdrawal sort of scheme. So for example, if you're, you're used to having three cups of coffee a day, just an example, on day one of trying to come off it, you might just go down to like two strong cups of coffee and then one weaker one or one cup of tea or one decaf one, for example. And the next day you would drop down to two cups of coffee. Next day, um, one strong one and one weaker one. Next day will just be one cup of coffee and then obviously you'll just try and come off it and go cold, cold turkey, I should say, for a little bit afterwards. So if you are used to having a lot of coffee, that's a way of doing it because you will get withdrawals. You might be a little bit moody. You might be a little bit depressed in some sense. You might be a bit more anxious. I found that I get headaches after a certain amount of time off caffeine and my mood is a little bit different. I am a little bit more grumpy and stuff, which is why you, you commonly hear people say like, oh, don't talk to us until I get my cup of coffee. It is true. When you're used to having that that spike um, of caffeine and you come off it, it does affect you. So other things that I like to do as well is on days when I'm not training, try and cut off coffee completely or have decaf because obviously I want to save my caffeine. I want to save my pre-workout drinks just for my just for my training days. And then my rest days, I try not to have anything because I don't need that that extra boost, boost of energy, that extra alertness for any reason, um, unless I'm, I'm at a long day at work. But anyway, that's caffeine. That's why it's important to watch your caffeine consumption and how it can massively impact your sleep. So the next little thing would be to avoid eating too late at night. So ideally, the ideal situation is actually up to three hours before you go to sleep. But I like to say for athletes who, or anybody who wants to try and build a bit of muscle or is is looking to kind of have a higher protein diet and optimize their nutrition, 90 minutes before sleep's about right. Just so you can obviously get a final little protein hit later in the day to kind of help you sustain it overnight. So about 90 minutes before you go to bed, have your last meal. The reason being is we don't want anything, any digestion or anything interrupting our sleep whatsoever. So obviously if you were having a big meal, for example, something that's quite hard to digest, like like a big steak, big chicken breast, loads of loads of things that are quite hard to digest like that, your, your body's gonna be obviously trying to digest that as you're trying to sleep and we know that that's going to affect our REM sleep. Our body's not going to be completely resting. It's still going to be trying to digest that food, which is not what we want. So we want to be able to be, or pretty much not have anything in our system that we need to digest so we can just focus on sleeping. So yeah, leave your last meal around 90 minutes before going to bed. So the next little thing that you can do, which is again, a really important one, which I think a lot of people commonly neglect is avoiding any form of screens, lights, TVs, mobiles, anything like that, um, as late as possible in the day. So avoid it completely when, when it's kind of getting dark outside. So TV screens, all that sort of stuff, and make what we call blue light. So blue lights, the type of light that will keep you up um, later at night and kind of stimulate you. So obviously during the day, we have the sun that keeps us away, that emits light. Obviously that has a number of different lights in, but 
TV screens, everything like that. Blue light is one of the main things that will keep us awake at night, which a lot of people don't actually realize and don't really do anything about it. So what can we do about that? Well, one thing we can do is simply, obviously not watch TV, not look at our phone or anything like that, but I know people have obviously got the lifestyle where they get home at night and they wanna watch TV, they wanna do this and they're on social media and stuff. So one thing you can do, if your phone has a night mode, or your TV, your laptop has a night mode or anything like that. That just changes the tint of the screen so there's a little bit less blue light. So your screen kind of goes a little bit orange. If you've used it before, definitely use it. So you can set a little time on your phone for it to come on. I think I've set mine for around five o'clock, six o'clock. Obviously, as the winter months come, it's gonna be darker at night a little bit sooner. So you wanna kind of time this sort of, this night mode, this night shift in time of when it starts getting dark outside. So that's one thing you can do. The next thing that you could do is get a pair of blue light blockers, which I would highly, highly recommend. Again, it avoid it stops you from like if you forget, for example, to turn your screen on night mode, you can just pop your blue light blockers on when it starts to get dark outside. Again, I normally put mine on when it does start to get dark, which is around half five, six o'clock, depending on what time of year it is. Stick the blue light blockers on, and what that does, that stop doesn't stop completely, but it limits the amount of blue light that can actually get into your eye, which again will keep you awake at night. So, if you get a decent quality, a very decent quality blue light blocker, for example, from Ori Optics, I think they're called. You've probably seen a few people on Instagram wear them. Um, some of them have like an orange tinted lens. Some of them look cool. Some of them don't look great, but they do the job. So what they do again, just block the blue light out and. A few people that I've heard who have bought the, the higher quality blue light blockers, they actually find that they want to go to sleep within an hour of putting them on just because they don't have any blue light stimulation. Stimulation, sorry. So they literally just want to go straight to sleep after, after putting them on. So something that you can invest in, obviously they, they can be quite expensive, some of them. I've just got a pair which were around 60, 70 quid which don't look too bad, but again, you can get the Ari Optic ones are a little bit more expensive. I know there's a few people who have got discount codes on Instagram. I think Chris Williamson has got a discount code. Try to think who else, Josh Bridgman might have one. The Muscle Mentors might have one if you follow any of them. I think they have discount codes, so that's definitely something maybe to look into just to invest in your sleep and your recovery. So moving on to the next point, which I've been getting one or two of my clients, especially during lockdown, um, to do to help improve their sleep, which is try and get up and go for a walk early in the day, get out when it's when the sunlight's out, when it's a little bit lighter in the morning, get out for a walk, just five, 10 minutes, try and get some sunlight exposure on your body, and that'll help set you up nicely for the day and help you up in, in terms of improving your sleep. So the reason being, is in the morning when there's sunlight outside, our body releases what we call melatonin. So melatonin is the thing that builds up through the day to make us tired. It's released by the pineal gland. Um, and like I said, when it gets darker at night, it starts to increase even more. So as soon as we get up, it starts increasing slowly, slowly, slowly. That's why we get tired throughout the day. So if we're stuck inside all day, and we're not getting any sunlight exposure at all. Yes, it might be light and we might be able to visually see that it's light, but we're not actually getting that sunlight on the, on the skin, on the body and on the eyes. So our melatonin isn't gonna be, our melatonin levels will not be as high. So we probably won't feel as tired at night if we're stuck inside all day. So you can see by getting yourself out for a little walk, 
five, 10 minutes, I think there's been studies shown that if you get out for a five, 10 minute walk in the sunlight, try and get some sunlight exposure before 11 a.m. in the morning, that will help uh, increase the melatonin levels and again, make you feel more tired at night. So I try and encourage all my clients, if they are stuck inside, even if they're in a little isolation period, just to try and get themselves outside in the garden, go for a little walk if they can for five minutes before 11 o'clock, even if it's first thing, like before breakfast as well. Get up before breakfast, go a little walk, that'll help with your digestion as well, in terms of waking your body up and waking your, waking your whole digestive system up, make you feel a little bit hungry, more hungry before breakfast. So there's another little tip, try and get outside as much as possible during the day, especially early in the morning. So the next thing that you can do to help yourself get a good night's sleep is set your room temperature to something a little bit cooler. So again, like I mentioned before about the hot shower, getting a hot shower and then stepping out of it in your body, your body temperature just suddenly drops afterwards because you're going from hot and stepping out the shower, you're going to something a little bit cooler. That drop in temperature again makes you a little bit more tired and, and helps you wind down before you go to bed. So the same thing with the cool room, step out the hot shower, going into a cool room will just help you feel a little bit more tired. And then again, when you go into bed and the the kind of coziness and the warmth from the bed, from the, the, the kind of weight from the duvet will help you feel again a little bit more relaxed and help you go to sleep. So I don't know what it is about cool temperatures, but I love going to bed um, in a really, really cold bed, like almost a freezing cold bed. It, I don't know what it is when the, when the sheets are cold, it feels nice. And I know there's there's things out there like there's cold water mattress toppers, cold water duvets and stuff like that, which actually pump cold water around the duvet at nighttime to keep you cool and help you stay into a deep sleep. I know the guys from Propane, Propane Fitness, sorry, so Johnny was talking about and the, the mattress topper that he's got that keeps him cold. But if he wakes up during the night, he's absolutely freezing. But he literally, if he gets himself back to sleep, there's probably a chance that he's not going to be waking up. I think it's just a thing that our, our body's adapted over time. Um, something from our ancestors that we just we just like to go to sleep in a cooler environment rather than a boiling hot environment. Because I know for myself, I can't get to sleep when the room's boiling hot and I'm, and I'm sweating and I can't sleep in the summer. So something cooler will help you fall asleep quicker and stay asleep. So the final, final point, how to improve your sleep, will be exercise. Simple, it's the best, one of the best things that you can do to help you sleep. Obviously, you're gonna be tiring yourself out a little bit more. Doesn't have to be crazy exercise, doesn't have to be anything like that. But exercise in general, again, will make you more tired, will set you up nicely to go to sleep. Doesn't matter what time of the day you exercise, ideally not right before you go to bed because you're going to be, obviously, if you have anybody's trained at night time, whereas at the gym or outside playing football, going for a run, stuff like that, one, you're going to be getting stimulated from from the lights, from the gym or from, from the street lights. You're going to be getting that stimulation, that blue light stimulation, but also your heart rate's going to be increased and you're not going to be in a state to kind of go to sleep. So try and obviously exercise a little bit earlier in the day um, probably a similar sort of thing too in terms of the the eating routine. So try and finish the exercise 90 minutes before you go to sleep. Ideally a little bit sooner in the day. Get yourself tired, burn a few calories and set yourself up nicely for the day. I've also found that things like saunas sometimes make me really tired. So I've done it a few times when I've, I've had a sauna um, at, at work. Obviously working at the gym, there's a sauna there. I have a sauna before I leave. 
have a sauna, get a shower, and I'm literally on the way home. I'm just, I'm, I can feel myself just relaxing and wanting to go to sleep. So there's a few different other things. See what works best. There might be certain things that work for you. Like the hot shower might work. It might not work for you. The really cold bed might work for you. You might not like that. But things definitely like the caffeine, the things like keeping your last meal away from from sleep as, as far as possible. The blue light blockers definitely will help. But again, try things, other things that work best for you. Get it into a good nightly routine and set yourself up nicely for a good night's sleep. So I hope this podcast has kind of been insightful in terms of pushing the importance of sleep. I know I've obviously titled it a supplement, but it is the most important thing that you can do in terms of sleep. A lot of people ask me about supplements, nutrition, what's the best thing in terms of muscle gain, fat loss, what do I do, what diet's this? I say one of the most important things is sleep. If you can get good consistent routine of sleep, get a good solid eight, nine hours if you can of sleep, then you're already setting yourself up perfectly for achieving your goal down the line. So thank you very much again for listening to this podcast. I hope I haven't went down too many rabbit holes. As always, if you enjoyed the podcast, remember to share it with a friend, share it on Instagram, on Facebook. I should really set up a Twitter page as well, which I will probably get down to just to try and spread the word of the podcast as much as you can, as much as I can personally, I should say. And finally, before I finish this podcast, if anybody has any questions or even wants to learn a little bit more about training, about fat loss, about nutrition, about anything like that and how to kind of achieve their goal, you might have a goal of putting on some muscle, again, losing some fat or increasing your sports performance. Drop me a message. I've got a number of online coaching spots available. If you're unsure about online coaching, again, drop me a message. I've got a quick five, 10 minute video which explains the whole process. Um, we work for a minimum of 12 week period to try and achieve your goal. You can work for longer. I've got some clients that have, have been working with me for, for months on end. I've got a few spots free at the minute. So if you are interested in that, again, drop me a message. It'd be great to work with you. And then you can also learn a lot more about these topics that we'll be talking about on the podcast. There's an online ebook which you get thrown over as soon as you sign up. We also have our online academy Facebook group where I put exclusive content in from workouts, nutrition, recovery tips. There's also a full week of my own training with walkthroughs and exercise selection, I should say. Everything's covered in there. So if you are interested and find out more, again, drop me a message. So I'll end it there. Enough of me trying to sell myself. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Process.